Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to that 1% podcast. I'm your host, Ava Cyruli, better known as SciSciLifts on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Well, I deleted TikTok in December because I don't like that app, but you can still find me there. But yeah, hi. I have been slacking, let's be honest. Tuesday uploads have not been happening, but I've been really busy and like, just honestly, this hasn't been my priority. So love you guys. Sorry about that, but I'm going to get better at it because honestly, I feel better when I have routine and when I have outstanding things like this, it freaks me out. Like being off plan with what I said I would do with this is freaking with my mind, you know? So I'm going to make a point to, I think today after I record this, I'm going to look at my calendar and kind of set a schedule for what days I'm going to record, edit, and upload. And since I upload on Tuesdays, it could even be recording on Sundays, uh, editing Mondays, you know, and I just have to take a look at my work schedule too, because I don't think I told you guys in the last episode, I don't know if it had happened yet. I can't remember, but I am now a personal trainer at Equinox, which is really exciting because if you were following me in 2021, I actually worked there at the front desk and I managed the kids club. So now that I have two years of coaching experience under my belt and my certification and everything, um, you know, this is kind of my dream job. So I'm really happy. Um, so far I really love it at the club that I'm working at. So Um, for those of you who are on the East coast or kind of local to me, I used to work at the Greenwich flagship location in Connecticut. Um, and now I work at the Scarsdale location in New York. So if you want to train with me, come, but it's been really nice. Um, they shared, this is like (laughs) so cheesy, but I'm so cheesy. They shared a quote in our like monthly meeting the other day. Um, and it was like, if your circle doesn't inspire you. It's not a circle. It's a cage. And I've been thinking about it ever since. Like I'm the person that pays close attention in all the meetings. Like, you know, like that stuck with me. Um, but I really like that quote and, you know, I was thinking about it and even being there, like, I really like the people I work with so far and and that circle inspires me. So I'm very lucky to say that that's a circle and not a cage versus when I worked as a bartender in Texas, uh, like half a year ago or something, that was definitely a cage. (laughs) I liked bartending, but I didn't like where I worked. So yeah. Or even, um, this is like, I feel like I get so mean on this podcast. Sometimes I'm not trying to be mean, but like my past relationship, I made it look like it was a circle or part of a circle, but that was like the biggest cage ever. So I just went on such a tangent, but yeah. So I have to look at my schedule, see what I'm working because I'm not taking clients there yet. I'm still onboarding. So I'm still doing mostly like floor shifts and just being the specialist there and getting everything sorted out before I can start accepting clients. Um, so my schedule is still changing, but what's excited is that literally on my first day, when I came in on my second day, my boss told me that that first day, like there's a lady who already went up to him and was like, who's the new trainer? Like, I want to work with her just from like seeing me, which is, that's cool. So yeah. Also I was there last night. I had to wake up at three yesterday in the morning because I had to be there at 4:45, and I live about 20 minutes away. So, and also parking is sometimes difficult because we have to kind of like walk across the street as employees. So, you know, if I wanted to get there on time, I had to leave at like 4.15. So, I mean, I guess I didn't really have to wake up at 3. I could have even woken up at 3.30, but I take so long to do things and I need my time to like ensure that I have enough time to do everything because I know I'll get sidetracked and see three other things I need to do or take longer than expected doing my makeup or something. So yeah, I woke up at 3. And then I had to nap from like 2.30 to 5.30 because, and I'm like incapable of napping. Like it is so difficult for me, but literally I just knocked out on my little like chase lounge seat in my bedroom by the window. (laughs) I was like a little cat in the sun. Um, But I woke up at 5.30 and I was like, fuck, I still have to hit legs. And I just started working with Coleman and Mark again and my Oh my God, I love them so much. Like my dream team. 
Um, they actually have a team MVP podcast now that you should really check out because they give a lot of helpful information regardless of whether or not you're a competitor. Anyway, I'm working with them again. So um, Coleman mainly does my training. Mark mainly does my meal plan. Um, and I'll get into the meal plan stuff in a little bit. But what I was going to say is Coleman's new training plan for me is so freaking good. Like I'm obsessed with it. But this leg day yesterday absolutely ruined me. Like I did it the right way, quote unquote. So like taking proper rest time, like really pushed myself RPE, which if you don't know, that means rate of perceived exertion was 10. So the hardest I could be going. And this literally was Smith machine back squats, leg extensions, leg press, safety bar, reverse lunges, and Bulgarian split squats. And it, I was hobbling out of the gym. Like for whatever reason, like I jumped when I got home, like I jumped up in the air. Like I just wanted, do do you ever do that? Like you just kind of want to like jump. So I like jumped at one point and I couldn't land. Like I had to try it again because my legs were so wobbly, I almost fell. So great leg day. Um, What was I going to say? Oh, I think I was just saying that I was at the gym again (laughs) twice yesterday, but yeah. Anyway, I guess I can kind of tell you a little bit about the meal plan stuff now. So I am so happy to be back on a meal plan. Honestly, this is so different for everyone. So just because I am like recovering from bulimia, which I talked about on my Instagram, um, and you know, maybe I'll be comfortable enough to post a podcast about that sometime soon. Um, because it's a really weird topic, especially for someone like me to have struggled with it so severely. Um, but it was definitely in tandem or, you know, in correlation with the substance abuse I was going through. Anyway, for most people, they might need a very free, open, non-restrictive, you could say, plan to be healing. For me, as I've recently also been diagnosed with OCD, which has been such an eye-opener for me and so validating with all of the ways that I function and understanding why I am the way that I am and better understanding myself and working in treatment to uh, used dialectical, dialectical behavioral therapy, DBT, and cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, to learn how to manage my intrusive thoughts with OCD. Anyway, for me, having a meal plan with foods that I really enjoy, but coming from someone I trust to do my plan, to just give me food to eat, and I don't really even track it in my app because I just follow what my plan says, it's really freeing for me. It lets me go on autopilot. This is why I thrived so much on prep is just having that meal plan. And it it just makes me feel good. And I'm eating such micronutrient dense foods. It's incredible. And I'm eating a lot of food because our goal is to really heal my metabolism. So yeah, that's kind of my spiel on um, eating on a meal plan again. Um, let me take a sip of my coffee. One moment, please. Oh, it's hot. <laughs> but it's good. If you haven't tried cashew milk, you're missing out so much. When I made the switch from almond milk to cashew milk, granted, it's not like a caloric difference. I think it says like cashew milk is five calories less, but it's not really any different. But something about cashew milk is just creamier. And I'm actually a whore for cashews. Like if you could give me like a tub of cashews, like the size of like a tub of like cheese puffs. Like I would eat the whole thing. Like cashews are so good. Anyway, so I love cashew milk. That's what I have in here with just some, I think it's Tarani is the brand, sugar-free vanilla syrup. That reminds me, I need to go on Amazon and order some stevia because we don't have any. So I'm going to do that right now as I'm recording. Do you think it's still, yeah, it's still recording. Awesome. Well, Let's get into kind of what the point of this episode is, or the topic, not the point. I'm going to pose no matter what. You know what I mean. So (laughs) I asked you guys on Instagram to give me a list. Sorry, I just got so distracted looking at prices of Stevia. Anyway. I asked you guys to send in questions for me, not give me a list. Sending questions uh, for me to answer. I suck and I'm a terrible influencer because I forgot to screenshot them. And I'm a little too embarrassed to ask again for more questions so quickly. 
Because you guys are going to be like, Ava, get your shit together. So, you know, I get a lot of DMs from you guys saying that you just love when I talk about my life and like funny experiences, whether that's with boys or funny things I did when I was younger, because it's so funny to see how you guys react um, in the sense that like I portray myself so so one dimensional, I think, on social media, or maybe I don't. I feel like that's the wrong thing to say, but you guys only really see one side of me, which is very me. It's not like I'm fake on social media, but it's hard when, especially being a fitness influencer, you know, I'm not showing you other stuff. And also, well, yeah, like there's like a privacy aspect too. And like, I don't know, you guys don't know what I'm like when I'm out at the bar. Not that that ever really happens anymore, but do you know what I'm saying? Like you, a lot of you have said you didn't expect me to be as like wild as I am. And it's funny because I don't say that in the sense that I'm like, oh my God, I'm so wild. Like I'm hyping myself up, but I say it more so in the sense that like, I'm very self-aware that like, I am not what I seem, I guess. Um, and again, not because I'm fake. I don't know pause can I just interject and say that my need to self explain that deeply to you like how deep I just went in to explain that concept and how I was like I'm not cocky I'm not this I'm that that's part of my OCD and I never knew why I felt so anxious and and the need to so deeply explain myself and have everyone understand me and after doing a lot of research with my treatment and my psychiatrist that I'm working with and everything, it's literally part of OCD. And I'm not saying if you do this, I'm diagnosing you, but it is a very big factor. And it's very validating to know that the reason why I'm doing this is not just because I'm afraid of how people were will perceive me, but also because it's like an impulsive or intrusive thought that I have that I need to do that. Sorry, isn't that so interesting? Anyway, I'm really recording this whole podcast in one breath, but I like it like that. I don't like having to edit it, and I never really do. I've only had to edit like one thing when I was talking about a boy, but I never really edit it, and sometimes I'll pause to pee or something, but I really like just flowing and talking for as long as I can because I think my stream of consciousness, like I just enjoy flowing that way. Um, I even remember when I recorded a video like a year or two ago now on my YouTube channel about um, my journey, about my first round with my eating disorder and all of that and my weight loss. I did that at one breath and it was the best video and it was so organic and I loved it. So that's what we're doing here. But why did it just take me like 10 minutes to tell you what we're going to talk about today? Um, well, I'm going to give you some more life updates, obviously. Think about what you guys might want to know. And then I'm also going to look at this article I found on the New York Times. So I was doing a little bit of research because you guys just love to hear about love on this podcast or lack thereof and my tea. Uh, I guess maybe I'm kind of funny in the way that I deliver it to you as well. Maybe you guys think I'm goofy. I don't know. A lot of you have told me that I make you laugh, so... Did you guys, oh my God, I get so sidetracked, guys. Did you know that when I was little, I wanted to be a clown? Like, so seriously. Like, I was heart set on being a clown when I grew up. That was my occupation because I wanted to make people laugh. Like, I kind of still do. I guess I am kind of a clown. (laughs) Anyway, so I was doing some research for the pod and I found this article from the New York Times that was put out on March 24th, 2016 by Eleanor Stanford. And it's 13 questions to ask before getting married. And I was like, what could this be? And I actually haven't read all the questions yet, but I think it's going to be funny for me to answer these like as a single individual right now. And then we can kind of elaborate on each one. So There's a little bit of a foreword before they get into the questions, but I'm going to read that to you just so you have some context. I need one more sip of coffee. Please pause. ASMR. Okay. 13 questions asked before getting married. When it comes to marriage, what you don't know really can hurt you. 
whether because of shyness, lack of interest, or a desire to preserve romantic mystery. Many couples do not ask each other the difficult questions that can help build the foundation for a stable marriage, according to relationship experts. Two questions here. Who are the relationship experts, first of all? Who are they? And why am I not one of them? Second of all, I think this is so true because let me just give you an example right here. We're going to pause before we get any further into this. Um, I had mentioned to you all in the last episode that I'm, um, you know, talking to this guy, whatever. And I, we had kind of had this plan that I was maybe going to go visit him tonight, actually. But it was like kind of a loose plan and like he wasn't like responding as much about it so i started to question myself like wait does this guy even like me when guys if you could read like our texts or anything or see our interactions or like how we talk to each other when we're like whatever you you'd be like ava that's a really stupid question he clearly likes you um but i get in my head and i'm like okay does he like me does he not want me to come this that am i gonna look like an idiot and rather than feeling confident enough to just say to him like hey I don't want to look like an idiot. Can you just be like upfront with me? Like, where's this going? Um, like, should I be planning to come visit you tomorrow? Um, Cause I don't know. Like I felt like being assertive in that sense, even if we're all about like girl power these days and like strong independent woman, regardless of if we know that and we've like put that out there into the world, it's still pretty taboo in my opinion for like, and maybe this is just like straight toxic culture, but like a straight cis hetero, I'm sorry, I'm not well versed in talking about this, uh, girl to like stand up in that way and, and be assertive in that way. And it may come off as too forward. And for me, like already being the one that's going to go visit him today, that was pretty forward. So I was nervous to even ask the hard hitting questions because I wanted to preserve that mystery and like not seem like I cared too much. Does that make sense? And ultimately, I I said to him, like, okay, like, am I coming tomorrow? Do you want me to? Because if you do, like, I will. But if not, I don't want to look, like, silly. And I kind of tried to say it in, like, a sweet way so that it wasn't too aggressive. But it turns out, like, something came up and he couldn't. Um, And then for a second, I was like, okay, are you just, like, avoiding seeing me again? Like, hello. But no, he, like, we're planning something for next week. Something really did come up. But, like, oh, this shit is so difficult. Like, reading people... (sighs) But anyway, the reason why I wanted to say this is because just like the article said right here before we even get into the questions, whether because of shyness, lack of interest, or desire to preserve romantic mystery, they don't ask the difficult questions. So, you know, if I could ask this to him right now, imagine he listens. If I could ask this to him right now, I'd be like, okay, like where, where do we stand here? Like, I think you like me and... I definitely really like you, but like, am I wasting my time? Which again, maybe I'm just in my head and like, this is trauma built up from my past relationship and shit that like I'm projecting onto him and it's just not the case and I'm overthinking. But again, like that's exactly why I don't want to ask because I don't want to sound crazy, but it's not crazy to ask. Ugh, the frustrations of being a 22 year old, right? Anyway, let's keep reading. (laughs) In addition to wanting someone with whom they can raise children and build a secure life, those considering marriage now expect their spouses to be both best friend and confidant. I mean, true. Is that a wrong expectation to have? Anyway, these romantic comedy expectations in part thanks to Hollywood can be difficult to live up to. Um... Not in my opinion. Why are we setting the bar so low? I don't, what is going on? Eleanor, I don't like your article. <laughs> sure, there are plenty of questions couples can ask of each other early in the relationship to help ensure a good fit, but let's face it, most don't. If you don't deal with an issue before marriage, you deal with it while you're married, said Robert Skuka, the executive director of the National Institute of Relationship Enhancement. That's a thing? Sign me up. It can be hard to keep secrets decade after decade and reticence. 
That's a word? What does it mean? Let's Google it. R-E-T-I-C. This is like, I'm like heavily annotating this article. The quality of being reticent, reserve. Okay, so reticence. Wait, let's hear Siri say it. Why does she have such a provocative voice? <laughs> Ew. Ew. Sorry, I'm voice shaming. Oh my God. Okay, reticence before the wedding can lead to disappointments down the line. Okay, agree. The following questions, intimate and sometimes awkward, are designed to spark honest discussions and possibly give couples a chance to spill secrets before it's too late. Okay, so essentially you and I, listener, are a couple and I'm going to spill my secrets to you. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay, I am just going to stop the recording here and start a new one because it will only let me record for up to 30 minutes at a time on the browser for Anchor, so BRB. Okay, I'm back. I really should have started this after the next sip of coffee, but say lovey. Okay. What? Okay. I guess we're going to start with question number one, right? (laughs) Did your family throw plates, calmly discuss issues, or silently shut down when disagreements arose? A relationship success is based on how differences are dealt with, said Peter Pearson, a founder of the Couples Institute. As we are all shaped by our family's dynamic, he said this question will give you insight into whether your partner will come to mimic the conflict resolution patterns of his or her parents or avoid them. Wow, really asking the hard-hitting questions this morning. Honestly, I can't even fully answer this because of the complexity of my childhood and certain things that I'm uncomfortable sharing. But to give you a little bit of background, my parents divorced when I was four and a half. Both of them remarried. Um, And my dad then had my brother, Ben, with who is now his second ex-wife. And I mean, I guess you guys can know this. I don't know if I've ever shared, but I am clinically diagnosed with PTSD from the abusive relationship with my ex-stepmom. And to give you a little more of an idea, my dad has full custody of my brother, who is nine years old. And they've been in this custody battle for eight years. So they divorced a year after he was born. And I'm like literally telling you guys such deep shit. Wow. Um, that kind of goes to show it's very hard to get a court to rule on the side of the father. You know, they typically keep the child with the mother. So that goes to show a little bit more about her. Um, but yeah, issues were never calmly discussed in any way, in any household. I'm going to put it that way. Um, this is so hard to talk about. Wow. But this is something I would definitely talk to a partner about. Um, I fully just accidentally clicked and stopped that recording as I was in the middle of saying that. As I was saying, I will say that things that have gone quote unquote wrong or a way that I did not perceive to be the right way in my childhood have shown me so much about how I want to parent when I get older. Um, And it's funny, like I really think about that like daily at this point Um, because even as I try to be the best person I can be, in all areas of life and practice balance. And as I've healed um, like old mindsets of orthorexia in the sense of like having to work out every day and like, and those kind of things before I really healed years and years ago, I think back to that time and and a big reason for my own healing um, or even as I somehow struggled with bulimia this past year, which is again, so crazy for me to admit because of who I am and how against it is with my, you know, mentality and the things I believe in my coaching, you know, like how I could put myself through that, all of those things, a big factor in my healing is wanting to be the best mother I can be when I get older and not wanting to subject a child, especially one that I produce to toxic mindsets. I want to raise a child with a beautiful life. Um, so yeah. Okay. We're going to go past this question. Oh, 
Wow, okay. Question number two. Will we have children? And if we do, will you change diapers? With the question of children, it's important to not just say what you think your partner wants to hear, according to Debbie Martinez, a divorce and relationship coach. Before marrying, couples should honestly discuss if they want children. How many do they want? At what point do they want to have them? And how do they imagine their roles as parents? Talking about birth control methods before planning a pregnancy is also important, said Marty Klein, a sex and marriage therapist. Okay, well, I guess I kind of just answered this. I definitely want children, I think. <laughs> I mean, I'm 22, you know? I think I want two, um, at least. I don't know if I can handle three. But I don't just want one because I was an only child for a large portion of my life. And I want my children to have siblings. Um, so, yeah. And when I change diapers, pfft. Yeah, like, and if anyone says that they wouldn't, guy, girl, whatever you are, like, bullshit. <laughs> I'm not having a child with someone who says no to that. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say to this. I mean, I'm going to be like a MILF, obviously. It's my destiny. Number three. Will our experiences with our exes help or hinder us? <gasps> Bradford Wilcox, the director of the National Marriage Project at the University of Mer Virginia, pointed to research his organization has sponsored that indicated that having many serious relationships can pose a risk for divorce and lower marital quality. This can be because of a person having more experience with serious breakups and potentially comparing a current partner unfavorably with past ones. Raising these issues early on can help, Dr. Wilcox said. Dr. Klein said people are hesitant to explicitly talk about their past. Uh, I'm the opposite. I'm an open book. Anyway, and can feel retroactively je jealous or judgmental. The only real way to have those conversations in an intimate and productive way and loving way is to agree to accept that the other person had a life before the couple, he said. Well, I really like that passage. Um, will our experiences with our exes help or hinder us? My God, that experience will help me so much. I let someone, oh my God, I'm literally just shitting on him, but I don't mean to be, but <laughs> it's just the facts. I let someone move into apart my apartment, take over my life, use me in so many different ways, and abuse my emotions uh, to an insane extent and take advantage of the fact that I was so blinded by what I thought was love um, and just tear me apart and really ruin me um, and hurt me so deeply and make me feel so disgusting and ashamed. Wow. I mean, sorry. It's the truth. I could go on and on. Um, and you know, it's, it's hard for me to talk about because it's still someone who's kind of in this industry, you could say too, but I don't care. I usually would, but in this case, I just don't because that experience has taught me so much about what I don't want, about the level of respect that I need to have for myself. And I... I don't want to take on a victim mentality or seem like I am at all because at the end of the day, I am responsible for my actions and where I ended up and I take full responsibility, but it just showed me like exactly what I don't want and the level of respect, like I said, that I deserve. So I think it will absolutely help me. Um, it may be, and I think it is weird for me to now talk to guys that I'm talking to and tell them that I lived with someone so quickly. Um, granted, it was such an odd situation. But I don't know. If someone's not going to accept my past, then I don't want to be with them. So. But I think. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's hard for me to say more about that. It hinders me in the sense of trust issues and commitment issues, which I had before dating. And of course my first boyfriend, like fucking, ugh. <laughs> oh my God. I like, it's so funny because like, I don't have a crazy amount of listeners on this podcast yet, but God, if more people who follow me listen to this, like I expose so much on here and no one has any idea. It's so good. 
Okay, let's just go on to the next question. How important is religion? How will we celebrate religious holidays, if at all? If two people come from different religious backgrounds, is each going to pursue his or her own religious affiliation? Dr. Skuka <laughs> has worked with couples on encouraging honest discussion around this issue as the executive hello the executive director of the National Institute of Relationship Enhancement. What is more, spouses are especially likely to experience conflict over religious traditions when children are added to the mix, according to Dr. Wilcox. If the couple decides to have children, they must ask how the children's religious education will be handled. It is better to have a plan, he said. This is such an interesting topic because if you go to my Instagram, I have a pinned photo of me in a white top and green bottoms. I'm in Elfland. And the caption is all about my religious trauma. Um, to make a long story short, I grew up with a Protestant mother, so Christian, and a Jewish father. My dad and mom are still very close and very good friends. And um, regardless of that, he wanted me raised to be Jewish. And he felt very strongly about that. So she was okay with that. I still celebrated both holidays and I still do. But I went to Hebrew school. I had a bat mitzvah. And my ex-stepmom, who was actually Israeli, had me converted to Judaism, essentially against my will. I did not understand Judaism. Um, I did not understand religion. I still have a very difficult time thinking about religion. I feel silly praying. Um, and that is not to shame anyone who does. It's just something I struggle with. I more so feel a deep spiritual connection to the universe. And I find that personally, I really almost forced myself to conform to Christianity this past year because I saw how it helped other people and I had a lot of friends who would go to church, but ultimately I connect so much more with Buddhism. And that's something that I almost kind of self-converted three years ago as it became very spiritual. I was meditating every day and Buddhism is just something that personally I connect to more. I don't understand Christianity not to, again, I don't want to shame anyone. This is just me. I, I have a very hard time believing in Jesus and that is no disrespect and you know whatever he is or was or real or not and this is not to be disrespectful but this is just me being serious um it's not to say he is or isn't real because obviously I don't have that answer but for me personally to praise something that is just kind of like I'm told I should believe I'm someone who does a lot better with fact and evidence and mm, I don't know this is kind of hard to get into but I think you understand what I mean hopefully so yeah personally how important is it I don't care at all I believe everyone should be able to believe what they want I believe religion is more so something that people hold on to to give them hope motivation and faith in themselves I look at every religion and can find a pattern of really it's just helping someone be more confident in their day-to-day -day life because there is so much uncertainty in this world and that's what I personally believe so whatever you believe as long as you don't believe in like something evil then I'm all for it and I am a very uh agreeable person I would say and I love compromise and Whatever happens with children happens. And as long as I feel comfortable with the conversation had and the route that is being taken, then yeah, you know, we'll do whatever. I'm not worried about it. Um, coffee break. But yeah, I'm curious to hear any of your experiences re with religion. And if you want to DM me, let's talk about it because I love learning about religion now. Oh my God, we have so many more questions. <laughs> Number five, is my debt your debt? Would you be willing to bail me out? Oh, fuck no. Before I even read that, fuck no. I mean, if you go to jail and you're wrongly accused and I need to help bail you out in that sense, sure. But your debt is not my debt. <laughs> no. Oh my God. Like, one day will we share finances to build a beautiful home or something and support our children? Yeah. But 
but your school debt, <laughs> how is that mine? Mine's paid off. Oh, that is where like the strong independent woman in me comes out. I work my ass off to make a living and make a good living and be able to support myself and buy myself nice things because I don't need no man. So your debt is not my debt. And I would not let someone take my debt unless they were fucking like Elon Musk, okay? Unless it's Elon Musk or like Jeff Bezos, which obviously I'm not marrying these men, you're not taking on my debt. Unless money is that disposable that you could do that and it really was nothing, Sure, and that's a crazy outlier circumstance. Otherwise, no, I would not let someone pay off my debt. That's my responsibility, and I don't like taking the easy route, but let's see what they have to say. It's important to know how your partner feels about financial self-sufficiency and whether he or she expects you to keep your resources separate, said Frederick Hertz, a divorce lawyer. Disclosing debts is very important. Equally, if there is a serious discrepancy between your income and your partner's, Dr. Skuga recommends creating a basic budget according to proportional incomes. Many couples fail to discuss sharing finances, though it is crucial, he said. Let me say that was actually a big issue in my past relationship. Um, the amount of money I wasted and flushed down the drain on that boy who is not, I will never refer to as a man. <laughs> oh my God. Like... That was my charity work for the next 10 years. All right. I got heated. Number six. What's the most you would be willing to spend on a car, a couch, shoes? My God, guys. Before I even read this part, you only live once. If I am in a position where it would not hurt my bank account to buy a g-wagon i'm going to or a beautiful big huge couch like why would i go with the cheaper option right now in my life sure but when we're building a home and a life like i'm not gonna like cheap out unless it's like crazy you know but like you only live once. Like, get the damn couch. As long as you are in a financial position to do so. And I'm not trying to sound ignorant. But you know what I mean? Like, as long as I'm financially stable, I'm going to get the couch. Anyway, couples should make sure they are on the same page in terms of financial caution or recklessness. Buying a car is a great indicator. According to Mr. Hertz, couples can also frame this question around what they spend reckless amounts of money on. He said... Can I, I gotta be honest with you guys and say something, and I hope it's not, like, bad on my part to say this, but my boyfriend, my ex-boyfriend, ultimately, thank God, started paying for half of the rent. Not the whole time, but a few months he paid for half of my rent. Actually, a little less than that, and I still paid for everything. Wi-Fi, gas, groceries, all of that. And he would struggle to make rent. Okay, half of my rent. He would struggle and worry about it. But every day he would go to Chipotle and spend at least $16. When I was buying groceries and told him, you can make food here, save your money so that you're not stressed. And that was not me like being overbearing. When he would complain, I would say, you know, maybe don't go to Chipotle as much. You can make it here. No. I was crazy for thinking that. So that's where I'm like, that was one of the biggest red flags to me. I was like, that is so unattractive that you are not willing to, like, what? I'm sorry, this episode is not supposed to be a shit fest on my ex, but like, I need to speak on past experiences and I have not told a single lie. I don't lie. So it's just the facts. And if any of you wanted to date my ex, you're in for a real treat, aren't you? (laughs) All right. Number seven, can you deal with my doing things without you? (laughs) You better be able to. Girls trips are a must. And if I were not to let my partner go off and hang out with their friends without me, I am not controlling. And if you are, come on. You need to be more secure in yourself in my opinion. 
Going into marriage, many people hope to keep their autonomy in certain areas of their life. At the same time, they are building a partnership with their spouse. According to Seth Eisenberg, the president of Pairs, Practical Application of Intimate Relationship Skills. This means they may be unwilling to share hobbies or friends, and this can lead to tension and feelings of rejection. If it, uh, <laughs> There you go. <laughs> the annual, not annual, that's yearly. The recurring burp of each podcast episode. All right. Uh, feelings of rejection if it isn't discussed. Couples may also have different expectations as to what privacy means, added Dr. Klein, and that should be discussed too. Dr. Wilcox suggested asking your partner what he or she most needs to be alone. Oh, when? Yeah, I mean, I'm a very independent person. I really like my alone time. Like when I'm recording this podcast, unless you're going to be a guest on me here, leave me alone and stay far away from this room because I need my alone time. When I work out in the gym, unless you train as hard or harder than me, I'm not training with you. Hence my ex who used to literally just ask me to take pictures of him in the middle of every workout. And I'd be like, you can go find someone else. I'm working out alone. Like, are you kidding? I take this shit seriously. I don't just say I do on Instagram. I actually take it seriously. The tea is so hot today. Sorry about it. But like, oh my God. All right. I mean, that's my answer. Of course I can deal with you doing things without me and you better be able to feel the same about me. And that does not mean I don't love you just as much. I feel like I'm like talking to someone, but you know, like it's healthy to have autonomy. And I would love to do things with you and I would love to spend an entire day with you and, and do everything. But like, give me my freaking space. Sometimes I just want to be alone. <laughs> and that was a really big challenge in my past relationship as well, of course, because we moved in together. <sighs> okay, number eight. Do we like each other's parents? As long as you and your partner present a united front... Having a bad relationship with your in-laws can be manageable, Dr. Skuka said, but if a spouse is not willing to address the issue with his or her parents, it can bode very poorly for the long-term health of the relationship, he said. At the same time, Dr. Pearson said, considering the strengths and weaknesses of your parents can illuminate the future patterns of attachment or distancing in your own relationship. I mean, I feel like this isn't like a question I can really answer on the podcast because like I don't have someone that I'm talking about, but I do agree with this. It's important to a certain extent, but it's also like you cannot judge someone based on their parents, you know, um, as long as they are just as noble and wonderful as you presume of them to be, if that makes sense, then, you know, why does it, I know it matters, but it shouldn't matter too much. It's all something that can be figured out. All right, we're going to pause because I need to pee. All right, ladies and gents, we're back. I released my bladder. All right. Question number nine. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, this is a little saucy. I have to talk about this? <laughs> How important is sex to you? I couldn't even say it. <laughs> I'm such a child. Couples today expect to remain sexually excited by their spouse, an expectation that did not exist in the past, according to Mr. Eisenberg. What? A healthy relationship will include discussion of what partners enjoy about sex as well as how often they expect to have it, Dr. Klein said. If people are looking to experience different things through sex, pleasure versus feeling young, for example, some negotiation may be required to ensure both partners remain satisfied. Um, <laughs> guys, what do I say? <laughs> I mean, I'm 22. Let's fuck, you know? That's horrible. Am I really going to put that on the internet? I mean, yeah. Guys, come on. <laughs> come on. Come on. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Like, what, like, how do I say this? Uh, it's extremely important. I'll leave it there. Oh my God. 
lose my marbles. Okay. Number 10. How far should we take flirting with other people? What? <laughs> what? How far should we take flirting with other people? Is watching porn okay? I mean, th those are two completely different things in my opinion, but... Sorry, coffee break. Dr. Klein said couples should discuss their attitudes about porn, flirting, and expectations for sexual exclusivity. I mean, personally, I'm a monogamist, okay? I'm not a swinger. I'm sorry. I don't look down on you if you do. Because I was actually listening to a podcast recently. Oh, I forget who it was. But, like, as humans, I don't think we were designed for monogamy in marriage, you know? Like, it's just mating. But I'm a monogamist. Sorry. Polygamy is not for me. Okay. A couple's agreement on behavior in this area can and most likely will change down the line, he said, but it is good to set the tone early on so both partners are comfortable discussing it. Ideally, exclusivity should be talked about in the same way as other day-to-day -day concerns, um, sexual exclusivity, that is, so that problems can be dealt with before a partner becomes angry, he said. Dr. Pearson suggested asking your partner outright for his or her views on porn. Couples are often too scared to ask about this early in the relationship, but he has frequently seen it become a point of tension down the line, he said. Interesting. I don't really have much to say about that. I mean, I think as long as both people are on the same page do what you want. Um, let's go to the next question. Number, are you really interrupting me right now? Get on in here. If you're going to say hi, you might as well come on the podcast. Look at your cute pajamas. Come say hi in the microphone, mother. Hello. <laughs> Oh, hi. I missed you. Oh, I missed you too. I'm just finishing up my podcast episode and then we can hang out, maybe go on a walk and watch Star Wars. That sounds amazing. I didn't know who you were talking to. <laughs> my podcast. Sorry, you're on the phone. No. So that's why I whispered. No. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. All right, guys. Let's get. Oh, hi, Biggie. Wow. Biggie, do you want to talk on the podcast? Come say hi. Oh, what a cute. Oh, look at you. All right, guys. We're almost there. Home stretch. Question number 11. Wait, let me close this door. One moment. Okay, I'm back. Um, question number 11. Do you know all the ways to say I love you? Gary Chapman's 1992 book, The Five Love Languages. Oh. Oh, yes. Introduced this means of categorizing expressions of love to strengthen a marriage. Miss Martinez hands her pre-marriage clients a list of the five love language, affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and phys physical touch. She asks them to mark their primary and secondary languages and what they think is their partners and discuss them. Mr. Eisenberg said that the couple needs to work out how to nurture the relationship in a way specific to them i mean yeah i love the love languages i actually i haven't read the book but i want to but personally mine it like my top two that are pretty much the same quality time and then like two or three points below it physical touch and then um i think acts of service is third for me then affirmation and then receiving gifts so yeah, I mean, as long as someone understands that quality time is important to me, and I love hugs, then we should be good. Um, obviously, I mean, I don't think many people's love language, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe it's yours, but is gift giving. I just don't care about that at all. Like, you know, someone could be giving me gifts, but not ever give me a hug, and I'm like, bruh. All right, question number 12. What do you admire about me and what are your pet peeves? Can you imagine the challenges ever outweighing the admiration? If so, what would you do? Anne Clayson, a leader of the New York Society for Ethical Culture, said that couples really consider that second question. 
Ideally, marriage is a life commitment, she said, and it's not enough to just click together. As many couples describe their relationship, a marriage must go deeper than the original click. I agree with this. I also think compromise is important. So, you know, a pet peeve is not permanent and it's something that can be changed. For example, my ex-boyfriend used to sleep in till two in the afternoon and request that I bring him breakfast in bed every single day. Keep in mind that that was my bed. That, that wasn't even a pet peeve. That was just like, what the fuck are you doing? But, <laughs> but that's something maybe we could have worked on. And I mean, that's an extreme situation. Like who the hell, what are you doing with your life? But you know what I mean? Like, if he really wanted to do, he could have changed that habit for me. I'm glad he didn't because I'm glad we didn't end up together. But you know what I mean? So, I, you know, or what if someone doesn't like that I, I, I don't know, I'm perfect. Um, that I, what's a pet peeve about me? I don't know, maybe, like I can't think of anything. <laughs> I don't know, if someone doesn't like something that I do, and it's something that I could change, maybe I would for the person. That's what I'm trying to say. All right. Aww. Aww. Question number 13, the last question. How do you see us 10 years from now? Keeping the answer to this question in mind can help a couple deal with current conflict as they work towards their ultimate relationship goals, according to Mr. Eisenberg. Dr. Wilcox said this discussion could also be an opportunity to raise the question of whether each partner will consider divorce if the relationship deteriorates or whether they expect marriage to be for life, come what may. I mean, I can't answer that because I'm, I mean, where do we see us in 10 years? I don't know if I'll still be podcasting, but I think I'll always love you. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. All right. That that was a great little segment. I think this was a great episode. What did you think? Let me know. Lots of coffee sips. Um, okay. I think I'm going to get going. I'm not going to edit this. I'm not going to edit this at all. You're just going to hear rambling. So I hope you enjoyed, like I said. If you did, DM me. I would love to talk to you about the pod and anything you want. Um, if you have something you really want me to talk about on the podcast, email cyruliava at gmail.com. So my first and last name, C-Y-R-U-L-I-A-V-A at gmail.com. I will, you know, whether it's an advice section, we do questions, anything, you can email me there if I don't see your DM. Um, if you did like this podcast, also please give it a rating on Spotify or wherever you can do that. Um, I know maybe you can leave a review. Sorry, I just got a text. You can leave a review on... Sorry, my brain is fried. Apple? Is that where you can leave it? Or in the podcast app? I don't know. Just tell me you love me, okay? Because I love you. Have a fabulous day and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. Mwah.